The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Well, good morning, church. It's good to have you out on this rainy Sunday morning, and I'm so glad to have you here today. Right now, we're going through a series simply entitled Habits of Grace, and uh, over the last several of weeks, we've been looking at how the spiritual disciplines such as prayer, such as Bible reading. Last week, we even looked at the spiritual discipline of fasting and how God can use these spiritual disciplines in our lives to cultivate with, within us an enjoyment of grace. Uh, as we've been saying for several uh, weeks now, the reality is every one of us have access to God's grace. Every one of us have access in Christ. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here's the reality. Not all of us are experiencing the grace that is made available to us, and not every one of us is enjoying Jesus in the exact same way. And what we've been seeing in the Scripture is there are some habits of grace that really allow us to experience Jesus and to enjoy his grace in greater ways. So if you're here today and you find yourself just kind of uh, no longer excited about your Christian life, and if you're here today and, man, it's just your enjoyment of Jesus, you, you know he's there, but you're just not experiencing him like you once did, you, you don't enjoy the grace that he's made available to you like you once did, that's, that's what this series is about. It's about implementing some spiritual disciplines that God promises that he'll use in your heart and he'll use in your life to allow you to enjoy his grace and to enjoy and experience Christ like never before. Today we're going to be in Psalms chapter number 139, Psalms chapter 139. For those of you who are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand out of respect for God's word as we take the opportunity to read from Psalms 139. I'm going to begin in verse number 7, and we'll read down through verse number 12. The Bible says this in Psalms 139, verse 7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I send up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Notice verse 12, yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as in the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then when I'm done praying, Pastor Nick is going to speak on the subject of practicing the presence of God, the habit of practicing the presence of God. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ermler. Well, as he said, we are continuing our message series entitled Habits of Grace, looking at how these uh, sacred habits and these spiritual disciplines can help us, like we said, fall more and more in love with Jesus. And we've been saying throughout this series that these spiritual disciplines don't make God love us more. That's impossible. The Bible tells us that he loves us with an everlasting love, but they do help us to love him more. As we do these spiritual disciplines and as we posture our hearts to experience his grace, we will in turn fall more and more in love with him. And this morning, we're going to look at the discipline of practicing his presence and how this can really stir up our love and affection for Jesus. And the more we practice his presence throughout the day, the more and more we will experience the grace that he has given to us. 
Now, I just need to say at the outset, uh, earlier this year at our vision, we talked about live streaming the services, and this morning we are doing that for the very first time. Uh, we are actually live right now on Facebook. Um, so if this blessing or this sermon is a blessing to you, let me encourage you later on and every week go and share those messages. Um, if it's not, just keep scrolling. Just scroll right past. Uh, move along. This is not the video you're looking for, all right? Uh, but hopefully that'll be a blessing. And yes, Nick, why do we do that? Really, because we want to get the Word of God out to our community. And this is a great way we have to do it. So people who maybe have never even heard about our church can have a chance to hear the preaching of the Word of God and come and be a part of what God is doing there. So many of the habits of grace that we've looked at so far, um, like Bible reading, prayer, fasting, these are all habits of grace that you kind of need to set time aside for. Like in the morning, you'll have a block of time when you study the Word of God. Uh, You'll set aside time to pray. You'll set aside a couple meals or a couple days where you can fast. The habits of grace that we've looked at so far, you really have to set aside time for, and they're a little bit more concrete. Well, the habit of grace that we're going to look at this morning is really a habit of grace, and in a lot of ways, a habit of the mind uh, that we can do throughout the day. Um, It's not something that you maybe set some time aside for, and then you're done with. It's a habit that we can carry with us uh, throughout the day. Now, this habit by no means replaces studying the Word of God or prayer or fasting or those other, other habits. Uh, but likewise, uh, those more concrete habits don't replace the habit of practicing His presence either. Both are absolutely vital if we're going to fully enjoy Jesus the way He wants us to. How many of you have ever been like me before? You just had a great time reading your Bible and prayer in the morning. It was awesome. You knew you were communing with the Lord. There was faith. You heard God speak to you through his word. You spoke to him in prayer, and it was this awesome time. And then by 1030, you felt like it was gone. Like the pressures of the day, the busyness, like that sense that you're in the presence of God is long since gone. Well, the truth is, the habits of grace that we're going to start looking at, the one we're going to look at this morning, I believe really is the answer for that. When we do this by faith, we can carry that same spirit with us throughout the day. And throughout the day, we can realize that just like I was in the presence of God when I'm reading the Bible, I'm in the presence of God when I'm at work. And just like I was communing with God when I was praying, I'm communing with God when I'm on my commute. And so we're going to look and see how when we do this by faith, we can experience and enjoy his presence with us throughout the day. The theme for our message this morning is that being overwhelmed by God will lead us to constantly practice his continual presence. When we are overwhelmed by God, that will lead us to constantly practice His continual presence. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at two foundational truths in Psalm 139 that I believe will lay the foundation for this habit of grace. And really, if we allow them, will overwhelm us with how good God is to us. And then we're going to see how we can practically practice His presence with us throughout the day. Earlier, Pastor read Psalm 139, uh, verses 7 through 12, but let's take a moment and read verses 1 through 6 to see the first foundational truth. Psalm 139, verse 1 says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsittings and my uprisings. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down. Thou art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand on me. I love verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain it. The first foundational truth that we're going to look at this morning is God knows me. God knows me. God knows you. I wrote these in a personal sense because I want you to personalize that truth. God knows me. 
He knows everything about me, and he loves me. This psalm is great because it, it takes these high and lofty truths, and it really paints a grand picture for us. But what I love about it is, as magnificent of a picture as it paints, it then brings it right back down to us personally. It's not just that God is omniscient and he knows about everything. It's God knows you. God knows me. God knows me. Don't file this under just, uh, this is a doctrinal truth I agree with. Yes, I know God's omniscient. Okay. No, no, no. Let your heart worship God because he knows you. And he loves you. He adores you. God knows me. The Bible, uh, God told his people in Isaiah 43, I have redeemed thee, I have called me by thy name, thou art mine. God knows us, and he loves us. When you read this psalm, it's like God saying, I, I, I know you when you feel good about yourself, and I know you when you feel bad about yourself. When you feel like you're doing well, when you feel like a failure, God says, I know you, and I love you. It's like he's saying, the parts of your life, I know the parts of your life that you like to put out there, and the front that you like to put up, and he's like, And I also know the parts of your life that you like to hide. And God says, I know you and I love you. He says, I love you. I know you. When you feel lost and when you can feel confused and you don't understand what in the world is going on in your life, God's like, it's okay. I know you. I understand what's going on in your life and I love you. God knows me. The psalm tells us that he discerns us. He examines us. He knows us better than even than we know ourselves. And sometimes life is crazy and we just feel overwhelmed and we feel like we don't know what's going on, what's going on inside me, what's going on around me. And God is right there. His Holy Spirit is right there with us saying, I know you. I'm not confused by you. It's okay. God knows me. I love what Charles Spurgeon, a British pastor in the 1800s, he was reflecting on this psalm and this is what he had to say about it, about this thought that God knows me. He says, I cannot grasp it. I can hardly endure to think about it. He says, this theme overwhelms me. I'm amazed and astounded at it. Such knowledge not only surpasses my comprehension, but even my imagination. And just like the psalmist in verse number 6 says, I I can't even fully comprehend how God knows me. God loves me. He has loved me with an everlasting love, the Bible tells us. God knows me. And being overwhelmed by the fact that God knows me Everything about me that I think is good and everything about me that I think is bad, God knows me and he loves me. When I allow that fact and that truth to overwhelm me, that will lead me to constantly practice his continual presence. Being overwhelmed by the fact that God knows me will lead us to constantly practice his continual presence. But let's move on. Verses 7 through 12, uh, King David, he continues the thought. He says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me, yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike unto me. The second foundational truth I want to look at this morning is, yes, God knows me, but also God is with me. God is with me. I love the poetic language here. He's saying, if I could go all the way up to heaven and God, you're there with me. I could go all the way down to hell and God, you're there with me. I could go to the ends of the earth. God, you're with me. I may feel like I'm in the night and nobody can see me, but God, there's no, there's no such thing as light and darkness with you. You're right there with me through it all. From the sight of God, we cannot be hidden. 
But that's not all. From the immediate, actual, constant presence of God, we can't withdraw. Sometimes we have this idea that God's everywhere, and He can see everything, and He knows all about everything. But the truth is, just like He exists outside of time, and He exists outside of space, He is also right there with you right now. When you're driving on your way to work, God is with you. When you're at your job, God is with you. When you're spending time with your family, God is with you. When you're taking a nap, God is with you, whether we realize it or not. We are as near to God as our soul is to our body. That's pretty close. And just as near as that is, that's how close God is to us. When we realize this truth, it crushes temptation and the old nature. It breeds courage into our heart. It's the careful loneliness. It puts peace in our mind, satisfaction in our spirit, and it gives us life. God is with me. The omnipotent, all-powerful creator of the universe is with you in this moment and every moment, every day of your entire life. God is with me. His mind is our mind, himself within ourselves. His spirit is over our spirit. Our presence is ever in his presence. God is with me. The realization of God's presence leads to worship. I love in Genesis 28, there's a story of Jacob. He's traveling through the desert. He stops to sleep the night and he has a dream. And when he wakes up, he realizes God's in this place. And what's he do? He builds an altar and he worships and he adores God because he realizes God is with me. The very last thing Jesus told us was, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. God is with us. In good times and in bad times, God is with you. In land or in sea, at any point in his creation, God is with you. In dark times or in light, God is with you. I love what the psalmist says. He's like, there's no such thing as darkness and light with you, God. You're always with me. God is with us. God is in all places and at all times, and nothing can by any possibility be kept away from his all-observing and all-comprehending mind. And yet, as big and as grand as that is, the psalmist once again takes it down to this personal level where it's like he's also with you. Everywhere you go, when you're watching sports, when you're at a theme park, when you're on vacation, whatever it is that you're doing, God is with you. And when we realize, when we by faith realize God is with me, when that truth really sinks down into our heart, it really does change everything. God is with us. So the question then is, okay, if God knows me, and God is always with me, why do I need to practice his presence? He's always with me, right? So why do, why do I need to practice it? Well, the truth is, yes, God's presence is always with us, but his manifested, conscious, trusted presence is not always our constant experience, is it? There are seasons when we become neglectful of God and give him no thought and don't put trust in him. There are seasons when we forget that he is with us. Oftentimes we'll feel like God isn't speaking to me or God's not manifesting himself to me. God didn't leave. The Bible doesn't tell us to seek the Lord because he got lost. God is always with us, but oftentimes we don't perceive him as beautiful and as valuable and as life. We go through seasons where we become neglectful. His face, the brightness of his personal character, we sometimes will hide behind our old nature. We'll get busy, we'll get distracted, and we just forget that God is there with us. This is why we're told over and over again throughout the Bible to seek his presence continually. God calls us to enjoy continual consciousness of his supreme greatness and beauty and worth. 
Psalms 105.4 says, Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face evermore. When it says seek the face of the Lord, that's a metaphor for his presence. Run to his presence. Seek his presence. It's always right there with you, but we don't always, by faith, experience that. So how do we practice his presence? How do we consciously, how do we by faith consciously realize that God is all with us? Well, a few things, and this is by no means exhaustive, but these are some things that I think can really be a help as we study scripture uh, that can help us to practice his presence. First of all, real basic, regularly remind yourself that he is with you. Just regularly remind yourself of the truth that we just looked at from Psalms 139. Regularly remind yourself, God is always with you. Maybe it's setting an alert on your phone to just bing at you random times of the day that says God is with you. In Deuteronomy, when um, they're encouraging children to raise their kids in the nurture and mission of the Lord, they said, hang the promises of the Lord on your doorpost, on your wall, put it on your forehead. Constantly and regularly remind yourself that the presence of God is with you. It's easy to forget. It's easy to kind of put this on the back burner Monday through Saturday, but regularly remind yourself that he is with you. Next, make margin in your schedule to be wowed by God. We're so busy between sports and works and this program and this activity and this whatever. We just get so busy. We have no time in our life to just be still and be wowed at who God is for us. Put margin in your schedule to regularly be wowed by God. I love Psalm 4.4. It says, stand in awe and sit not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Be still. Stand in awe of God. When was the last time we just stopped and were amazed at God for us? Amazed at all he's done for us. Amazed at everything that he has given us. We're working on a discipleship curriculum, and one of the first lessons goes through salvation, and we created an appendix for that lesson that goes through the Bible, and it just says everything that happened at the moment of our salvation. It's like five or six pages long. You just take time to regularly remind yourself and be wowed at what God, who God is. I tell you, that does something in your heart. When you realize who God is, it's like this, you just become wowed. When you are still in the presence of God and you allow your mind to meditate on him and who he is, make margin in your schedule to regularly be wowed by God. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 105, 3 says, Glory ye in his name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. See, as we seek the Lord, as we practice his presence, it does something in our hearts. Our hearts begin to rejoice. Our hearts begin to glory in the name of God. Why? Because we're, because we're in his presence. As we practice his presence and as we realize who he is and we see him high and lifted up in our lives, our hearts begin to rejoice. But oftentimes we put the burden of being wowed by God on external circumstances. We come to church with the expectation that I'm going to be wowed by God this morning. This, this better be a good program. It better be a good service so I can be wowed by God. We expect people to make us be wowed by God. But the truth is, as these psalms are telling us, we don't need external circumstances to be wowed by God. We have God to be wowed by God. You could come to church and the singing could be awful, the sermon could be a dud, and you could still be just as wowed by God. Why? Because he is still God. He is still good. He is still high and lifted up. But we have to allow margin in our schedule so that we can be wowed by him. 
Don't put the burden of this on some external circumstance. Jesus Christ has already met those conditions. Jesus Christ has already fulfilled that burden so that we can be wowed by God. And when we, by faith, realize that he knows me and that he is with me, that should just change everything inside of us. You see, practicing the presence of God is the opposite of mental coasting. I mean, we let so many other things think for us. We let the news think for us. We let Facebook think for us. We let TV think for us. So many other things we let think for us, but practicing his presence is the opposite of mental coasting. It's a conscious choice to direct our heart towards God. It is a conscious decision that I'm going to make margin in my schedule. I'm going to allow my heart and my mind to be directed toward God. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul prayed for many of the churches that he ministered to. The church at Thessalonica, he told them, may the Lord direct your heart to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. I'm sure that church, like anybody, they had a list of things they wanted to pray for. Pray for this person. Pray for this need. Pray for this. But Paul says, I'm going to pray that the Lord would direct your heart to him. Because this is the foundation. This is crucial. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God. Practicing his presence means I'm going to direct my heart throughout the day. If I'm at work, if I'm driving, regardless of what I'm in the middle of, I'm going to direct my heart towards the love of God. So we can say, regularly remind yourself of who God is. Put margin in your schedule so that you can be wowed by God. Next, let everything in life be arrows that point you back to God. Let everything in life be arrows that point you back to God. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.17, Charge them that are rich in the world, that they may not be high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. So he tells them, you need to trust in the living God because he giveth us richly all things to enjoy. God has given us all things richly so that we can enjoy. So let everything in life be an arrow that points you back to him. You see, practicing his presence is a conscious effort to get through the natural means to God himself. Through the natural means. So everything in life, everything that's natural in life, I'm not just going to glory in that thing. I'm going to allow that thing to point me back to God. It's an arrow that points me back to God. Several illustrations are several things that, we can, uh, that can serve as arrows that point back to God. Obvious one, creation. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Uh, this past week, this Tuesday, uh, our family, we went up to Yosemite. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. This time of the year, we went and we were wild. Like the colors, the fall, it was just, it was the perfect time to go. And the truth is, as you go to Yosemite and as you consider everything, if you've ever been there, you're going to notice there's people literally from all around the world that come here to see the beauty of this place. Now, just going there and recognizing Yosemite is beautiful is not intrinsically practicing his presence. But when I go to Yosemite and when I look at creation and all that God has created and I allow this to be an arrow that points me back to the creator, now all of a sudden I'm worshiping God. Look what God has made. Look at the glory that he receives from this place. I'm letting creation become an arrow that points me back to God. And you, you, you don't have to go to Yosemite. You can just drive down the street and look at all the fall colors. Look at all the leaves changing. Allow those things to literally point you back to God. Say, wow, God, you made all this for your glory and for my enjoyment. And when I enjoy that and that serves as an arrow that points back to God, God then gets glory from it. Allow creation to be an arrow that points you back to God. People can be an arrow that points you back to God. 
when a person ministers the grace of God to you, what we need to do is recognize that as God. Sure, that person had to yield to the Spirit, but ultimately this is God pouring out His grace on me. So thank the person, but then glory, give glory to God. Wow, God, you, 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 you did this for me? You poured your grace out to me through this person in that way? That's awesome. You see, when we allow that to be an arrow that points us back to God, it doesn't really matter who the person is. And when it's somebody who we didn't expect or is not somebody who we did expect, it doesn't matter. Because it's God pouring out his grace. You see, oftentimes what we do is we expect it from a certain person or a certain uh, group of people or from a certain individual. Marriage, this happens a lot. We expect our spouse to be a conduit of God's grace in our lives. And when they're not, we get all bent out of shape and sideways. The truth is, in that moment, we have our eyes on man and not on God. In Romans 125 tells us that when we do that, we change the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator. See, this isn't about looking to a person. It's about looking to God and recognizing, God, you're pouring out your grace to me through this individual. That's awesome. God, thank you for pouring out your grace to me. So creation can be an arrow that points us back to God. People can be an arrow that points us back to God. Next, trials and difficulties. Say, what? (laughs) Yeah. Look at what James says in James 1, 2 through 4. It says, my brethren, count it all. What's the next word? Joy. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. So oftentimes we let difficulties drive us away from the presence of God. Because we have a wrong view of difficulties. You see, James is telling us, no, this is God working in you. That's why you need to count it as joy. Be joyful you get to endure, because God is working on you. That means God has a plan for you. That means God has a future for you. And he's showing his uncomfortable, yes, but grace nonetheless. He's showing his uncomfortable grace so that we can be more like him. That should, trials and difficulties, let those be arrows that point you back to God. And yes, the big ones, but also the little small annoying ones. Sometimes it's not the boulder in the road, it's the pebble in the shoe that drives us nuts the most. When that guy cuts you off in traffic, when somebody looks at you funny, when somebody doesn't shake your hand at church, let this be an arrow that points you back to God. Thank you, God, for chipping away stuff that didn't need to be there. Thank you, God, for using that person as a tool of my sanctification. <laughs> and if you're in an argument with your spouse, don't, don't tell her that. That's just not good. Thank you for making me more like Jesus. No, that, that, won't, that won't fly. But yeah, trials and difficulties can be arrows that point us back to God. Uh, next, the fact that you're alive today can be an arrow that points you back to God. Psalms 118.24, this is the day which the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It doesn't say this is the day that I was waiting for and everything went according to plan, so I will rejoice and be glad in it. No, it says God made today. Rejoice and be glad in it. God gave us another day. It may have its ups and it may have its downs, but the fact that God got me out of bed this morning is wonderful especially since I had to preach. All right, so the fact that you are alive today, literally everything in life can be arrows that point us back to God. Sarah and I, we have a tradition every year. We call it our Thanksgiving pumpkin. We're literally, 
from the really halfway through October up through Thanksgiving, everything that we're thankful for, we just write it on here so that it can be a reminder, an arrow that points us back to God. And it's something that we do that helps us consciously do this because if you're like us, we are prone to forget and we get blessed and we don't even think about it. We just kind of take it for granted. So, I mean, we got a lot of stuff on here. I put, I got my family all up here. Got the in-laws a little bit lower. Don't tell my mother-in-law I said that. Uh, But we got you guys on here. We got the church. We got the teens. They smell funny, but I'm thankful for them. But then we, we, you know, we got preaching. We got the gospel. But then we have just like a lot of really little things. Like the other night, Friday night, I ate a bowl of cereal before I went to bed. And I was like, man, I'm really thankful God let me eat the cereal. So I wrote it on the Thanksgiving pumpkin. I said, that's kind of silly, Nick. God gave me all things richly to enjoy. Why not let cereal be an arrow that points me back to him? Uh, we have memories. We have food. We have free food. I think she has Starbucks on here. Yeah, Starbucks. I wrote coffee. We like our food. You can tell. We're really thankful. Quiet evenings by the fire. Star Wars. They just... Let everything in life be an arrow that points you back to God. Sometimes we think, oh man, God didn't provide, miraculously send down a car from heaven for me today. Ah! And we miss so many little things that God is doing. And when we're going to practice his presence, just letting everything in life be an arrow that points you back to him. It's going to help us consciously be aware that he is always with us. Literally everything, sunsets, music, flowers, the rain, sunshine, our health, our sickness. Let everything in life be an arrow that just points you back to him. And then when you do that, it's amazing how you start consciously practicing his presence. And then as you enter into his presence throughout the day, it's amazing at the joy that fills your heart. Psalm 16 says, in his presence is fullness of joy. I mean, imagine driving home from work. Tomorrow's Monday. We all love Mondays, right? You know, it's so oftentimes, especially for me, I'm driving home from work, and you just, you stew in your mind on all the burdens of the day, everything that didn't go the way you wanted to. And what if we just stopped and thought about everything that God has done for us? And as I'm driving home and I see the leaves changing colors, I'm just, thank you, God, for that. As the rain is falling down, thank you, Lord. We, we so desperately need the rain. Thank you for giving me this vehicle that I can drive home in. Thank you for the fact that I have a home to drive to. You know, it's amazing. It doesn't really matter how bad of a day I have. When I go home and I see my two kids, it's amazing how that just goes away. My youngest, Michael, when he gives me that big, huge grin, it just melts your heart. Shouldn't the presence of God be so much more? Let everything in life just be arrows that point you back to him. Everything in life be arrows that point you back to him. Remind yourself, lastly, the last uh, way this morning, and again, this list is not exhaustive, but the last way we can practice his presence is just remind yourself of all that he has done for you. Remember Psalms 105.5. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. Remember. We're being told to remember because we forget. Imagine you're having a bad day, you don't, it doesn't go your way, and instead of getting worked up in your mind about that, if you just took some time to remember everything that God has done for you. Remember everything that he has done. Keep a list of answered prayer and read those on a regular basis. Uh, the other morning, I, was, I keep mine in a program called Evernote, and I was looking for that answered prayer in Evernote, and I opened what I thought was that list, 
It was a different list. My wife, um, she's been keeping a list of all the answers to prayer that we've seen in our Connection Group Bible studies. And I started reading that. I was just like, wow, God, you are so good. There was nearly 40 of them. 40 answers to prayer that our Connection Group Bible studies have seen. And I was just like, God, you are so good. We don't deserve that, not for a second. We don't deserve anything. And yet, you do for us so much. Remind yourself of all that God has done for you. Now, you may be thinking, okay, Nick, this all sounds great, but what about when I legitimately need to focus on something? I mean, I can't go to work and just daydream all day, right? No, you'll get fired. <laughs> so what, what about when I, need, when I need to focus on something? What about when my conscience needs to be directed towards something? Uh, maybe it's my job. Maybe it's uh, parenting. Maybe it's whatever it is that you need to focus on. What do, I, what do I do then? Well, I want you to imagine two bookends in your mind, okay? Two bookends. The first bookend is prayer. So when you're at your job or when you're going to spend some time with your children or you need to engage your children uh, because they need your immediate attention, um, go into that with prayer. Pray something like this. God, since you're with me and I need you in order to obey you, focus on whatever this is. Whatever this thing is, God, in order to obey you, this needs my focus right now. I ask that you grant me the grace and faith to continue in your presence and that you bless me with your assistance receive all my work, and possess all my affections. Just take a moment and pray before you start focusing on that thing so that you can turn your heart towards God and then you can go into this with the posture of faith. Faith believing that God is with me. Faith believing that this is what God has called me to do in this exact moment. Faith believing that because God is with me and God has called me to do this thing, God is going to help me to do this thing. And then give it your attention. Focus on it. So the first bookend is prayer. The last bookend is thanksgiving. So you pray, you focus on whatever it is you need to focus on, and then when you're done, you thank God. God, thank you for giving me, uh, thank you for being with me while I did what you called me to do. Thank you for giving me the ability to do it. Thank you for giving me the ability to perform it. God, thank you. The first bookend is prayer. The last bookend really is thanksgiving. God, thank you for helping me at my job. Thank you for being with me when my two-year-old was coloring all over the walls and screaming out the top of his head and ripping his diaper off and running around the house. That was our house this week. It was, it was actually really kind of funny when you think about it, but in the moment, it's never funny. Um, thank you, God, for being with me and helping me get through that. Thank you for this being what you had me to do in this moment. You know what's amazing? When we do that, it's amazing at the genuine faith that there really is in our hearts because we're trusting in God. And more often than not, you'll find that there's great enjoyment in doing whatever it is, too. The Bible doesn't say in his presence is lots of grumpiness. No, it's fullness of joy. And so joy sometimes can be a great litmus test whether or not we are in his presence. Sure, it can be faked, but in his presence, there is fullness of joy. So when you have to consciously focus on something, just remember those two bookends. Go into that with prayer and a heart of faith, believing this is the moment God has for me. This is the job God has for me. This is exactly where he wants me to be. This is exactly what he wants me to do. And then afterwards, thank him for it. Thank him for giving you the ability to do it. The great promise to those who seek the Lord is that he will be found. The beauty of practicing his presence is he's always there. 
and everything in life can be an arrow that points me back to him. Everything in life can be reminders when we, by faith, practice his presence. Being overwhelmed by God will lead us to constantly practice his continual presence. The world kind of has their own version of this. They say, stop and smell the roses. Well, it's God, it's different. The world may say, stop and smell the roses, but God says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know me. If roses are an arrow that points you back to him, great. If you don't like thorns, that's fine. (laughs) But be still and know him. Are we constantly practicing his continual presence? This is a habit of grace that I promise you will fill your heart and your life with joy, will give you strength. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And you will realize that no matter what, God is always with us. Being overwhelmed by God will lead us to constantly practice His continual presence. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.